Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. Let's go with another blunt business here on CannabisRadio.com. Always happy to have you joining us for the program. To get this interview started, I want to go ahead and quote from the Aurora, Colorado Sentinel. They recently wrote, quote, Social equity has been a selling point for cannabis legalization in many states. New York, which last month broadly legalized cannabis use, has set a goal of getting 50% of licenses to minorities and other social equity applicants. But so far, the goals have far outstripped realities, partly due to legal entanglements. Entanglements of states look to broaden diversity in cannabis boardrooms, retail shops, production plants, and greenhouses. Disappointment with the slow rollout of equity programs has taken on a deeper resonance at a time when the nation is undergoing a racial reckoning brought on by the cases of police brutality and punctuated last year by the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The limited statistics available indicate business owners and investors at the top of the booming industry remain overwhelmingly white. And here to talk to us about the area of social equity, a company that is putting together a social equity program that has already implemented and instituted it. We're going to talk about the story behind this. I'm here with the folks at Flourish Software. I'm here with the CEO, Colton Griffin, and the Director of Marketing, Pam Foe, here on Blunt Business. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having us. So, at my pleasure. So, Flourish, they just recently announced, you just recently announced a new social equity program. This program will provide seat-to-sale tracking and supply chain management software to those helping to propel the cannabis industry forward. Qualified social equity organizations can apply for full access to Flourish software for $420 per year for up to two licenses, discounted 99% of the usual yearly cost. So the emphasis, the the onus for stepping up and, and helping out in terms of social equity and the access of C2Sell software, what is it that comes hand in hand? Colton, let me ask you that first. Yeah, well, you know, we truly believe that software uh, solves real problems for our clients. Uh, using good software to drive your business is a competitive advantage, and we believe in social equity and providing access to folks who who need access to the software, uh, access to our program at a you know a very affordable cost. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of talk in the industry about social equity. Um, we decided we wanted to actually do something about it and, you know, uh, provide access to what we do on a day-to-day basis uh, uh, to folks that, that need it most and give them a little bit of a leg up. So it's really the matter of offering the access. There's nothing in, in particular within the software itself that helps to contribute to that. It's really just more the access and the ability to obtain those resources. Exactly. You know, uh, there's always a startup cost in, you know, getting your business off the ground. Uh, obviously, we, we sell our software. We're in business to, to sell software and we sell software to, to folks across the country. And we looked at, you know, what everything that's going on in the world and, you know, how poor 
the execution has been on actually realizing social equity, you know, across the country pretty much universally. And, you know, thought, what can we do to help, you know, maybe give back a little bit to the community and give folks a bit of a leg up. And, you know, we have a, an awesome team that does great training and implementation services uh, and softwares, you know, uh, used by my clients across the country uh, to their benefit. And we decided we would essentially just open up uh, access to the software to folks uh, that, that qualify and, and give it to them so they could, uh, you know, use it to drive their business. Now, Fleur Software as a whole wants to empower social equity organizations with industry-leading tools and training to help strengthen and diversify the industry. And there are some qualifications that you have set into play. They include designation as a social equity license through a state agency or, if not available, conviction for a cannabis offense or conviction of an immediate family member for a cannabis offense prior to state legalization without settling selling to minors and without a violent crime record, licensed for less than five years, a net income of less than $2 million. So these parameters are put into play. The direction to go ahead and position Flourish Software in a progressive, as an ally, if you will. Talk to me about the what, what brought that about. I mean, is that indicative of what the company's philosophy entails? I mean... You know, it, it is truly, you know, we care about making this industry successful. We care about getting people into the legal market and making the legal market actually work uh, for uh, entrepreneurs, uh, many of which may have, you know, been helping us all uh, get access to cannabis long before there are legal avenues to, to be there. And, uh, and you know, this is the one thing we felt like it was a, it was pretty straightforward for us to do uh, to, to give back to the community. And, you know, coming from a background in real enterprise software where, you know, enterprise level companies are spending millions of dollars to get software built and configured and deployed for their businesses, you know, we always understood, you know, that that's traditionally been a bit of a barrier to access for smaller companies to really have, you know, technology that uh, they can use to run their day to day. And, you know, we built flourish uh, with uh, with a smaller customer in mind that wants to grow to be a bigger customer. And we've had lots of clients that have really, you know, doubled, tripled or 10x in size uh, over the course of being our clients. And so we brought about a lot of our enterprise domain expertise and, you know, the functionality uh, that that's needed as you grow and scale uh, into uh, our platform. But we've designed it in a way that's easy to adopt uh, and easy to use and easy to deploy. Uh, and so, um, yeah, it's, it's core to our mission to bring technology, you know, to, uh, to small, medium-sized businesses, which is the vast majority of businesses in this space. And, you know, we figured we could uh, give that software for a very nominal cost uh, to social equity licenses or equivalent to it. We're trying to make this program, you know, accessible and work. So not every state has true social equity programs in place. So we, we came up with some parameters to, um, to essentially uh, mimic that. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. We've uh, had the first couple of folks sign up on it and excited to get them uh, up and running and, and be part of the Flourish family. So now states, for every state that's implemented adult use, they, there have been a number of states that have tried to go and implement some kind of a social equity initiative 
as part of what they have going into the full decriminalization and legalization of cannabis in said state. New York is one of the newest countries to have the uh, newest state states to go ahead and implement. And some of the points that they put in their marijuana regulation taxation act. What I want to know is uh, I want to just run through some of the ideas and get your take on what will be the kind of parameters that you feel like every state, because you're offering a resource, ultimately you want the industry to at least open that opportunity for social equity across the board, which is what the real intent is what you have, that I guess a company like yours would have. So in New York, the law would state a goal toward 50% of adult use licenses to social and economic equity applicants, and that would be a priority that would be given the micro-businesses and delivery licenses. 40% of tax revenues generated would be funneled to communities disadvantaged by the war on drugs. Existing medical marijuana operators would be required, required to pay a one-time special licensing fee to convert three of their dispensaries to dual medical recreational stores. Uh, and that, the, the, that fee would also help fund social equity programs. Then there would be also financial support provided. And... The licensees that would be provided would be prohibited from selling or transferring their licenses within the first three months that they're issued. So the idea is what the Minority Cannabis Business Association and Amber Littlejohn, executive director there, spoke about was the fact that the concern is there's a lot of language that's been left to the regulatory process. A lot of the language is aspirational, but transferring that into actual results is being proven to be challenging. So when you look at offering this resource, what can the industry itself do in accordance with policymakers to offer real social equity? I think it's as simple as actually licensing, giving licenses out. Uh, there's so much red tape in so many of these states and jurisdictions that make it extremely difficult for people to open their doors. And, you know, there's, uh, we can talk all day about about social equity. Uh, so we can talk all day about social equity, but if we aren't actually licensing uh, businesses, then you know they're not able to participate in the market. And streamlining that is the most simplest thing that we should be doing across the country. And then what would Pam, you, you say might about have the idea. end where you're trying to get the communities within the areas that these dispensaries, these companies serve, helping to go ahead and rebuild or restore the communities that have been impacted by the war on drugs? Until this first state releases everyone that's in prison for, for nonviolent cannabis crimes, you don't even have the pull um, to pull real social equity work in uh, if most of them are in jail. Some of them haven't been in jail for a while, but, but as long as people are in jail, you cannot have real social equity and racial equity and social equity are, are two separate things and they should be two separate programs. But everything right now seems very performative. And as long as it is performative, there's going to be no action. And that's the crux, is that I've always been of the opinion where if you're going to implement social equity, I believe a merit-based system is the system I would prefer. But I, I am not a business owner and I don't have a, a stake in the game. I'm just an interviewer on this program. So I have a voice here, and all I can say is that. But I also open voices. I want to always welcome voices that will might say the contrary. What would be best done to go ahead and avoid the lip services being out there? And also to shut down the performative aspect, because we, I feel like there is a capitulation. 
And the, the, one of the things that I guess in general is that there's been a bit of a lot of pressure being put on to instill social equity and it's not sincere. So how do you balance that out when you look at it as a whole? If you had some kind of influence towards these regulators, these policymakers, obviously we're not going to get probably the imprisonment will be a long time. We'll, we'll take a while until we have a decriminalization where a federal bill will help to release all those that have been oppressed, incarcerated, uh, unfortunately incarcerated, and be released back to society as they should. So what would you say to that? I mean, I always look at it, there's a couple elements to actually making this all work. One is you have to grant a license. <laughs> Two is you have to provide some resources such as training uh, and education to actually help people navigate the ins and outs of the legal market, which is incredibly complex and challenging. And three is you have to provide some level of access to capital. Uh, so when we see you know, federal law change, I would hope that the SBA is able to you know, give people low interest loans to, to fund uh, opening some of these businesses. Uh, you know, I think there's plenty of city and local um, you know, tax treatments we can do to help, you know, you know, keep rents in check and, you know, uh, incentivize people to, to develop and create the jobs in the areas that have been affected. I mean, there's, there's, that's, that's proven and, and other, there's plenty of economic development resources out there that, you know, are encouraging development of other businesses in, in you know, low income areas or disadvantaged areas. Uh, and, you know, like for us, like how we as, as ancillary business players in this market, you know, we look at training, like our training, how do you use software in conjunction with your business? How do you understand supply chain concepts that we, you know, uh, by virtue of implementing the software, inevitably are teaching people and giving them support and resources and training materials to do? Uh, you know, it's it, it, it's hand in hand. Uh, and, you know, making um, the access to the stuff affordable and, you know, and easy to get. Uh, there's just, there's a lot of barriers, right? There's a lot of lip service to social equity about, you know, wanting to do it. And a lot of, you know, I think we'll, we'll spend, you know, two years debating how we want to write the policy to talk about it, social equity. And then as soon as the policy is passed, no action really happens and everybody just moves on and builds their businesses and, and leaves everybody from behind. And, you know, I, 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 I'm just here to see action. And well, my thing is the regulators is who I have the concern with. I think all the intentions are good, but it's who's going to implement the programs. The policymakers have to control this. I don't like the fact they have the le their hands on the levers. That's my problem with this because this can be subject to corruption. And, and that's the only thing that, that and I hope that people in the audience out there will understand. Listen, I, I, I support measures like this, but I don't trust the government. And I want... If this is going to happen, this is where I always talk about having a seat at the table and making mm -hmm. sure that as an industry, we have to stay on top of these regulators. We have to stay on top of these policymakers to make sure they follow through. It just cannot be lip service. It cannot be performative. That is not the intent here. And this industry can learn from the from what other industries and what other, you know, civic or social organizations are trying to do. Without going into any political or news uh, that's out there, I'm just saying we can learn from the mistakes. We can learn from some of the things that have happened in the past. The industry can be smarter and stay on top of this and do it right, which is what I 
ultimately, I think what everyone as a whole would want to have happen. But now I also want to go ahead and explain how your company is not performative because we're going to go exactly into why this is important of this social equity program and the personal attachment that you have to this movement. We're going to talk about that again here with Colton Griffin, CEO of Flourish Software, Pam Foe, Director of Marketing of Flourish Software here on Blunt Business. We're going to be talking more about the background that led them to go ahead and offer this social equity program here on Blunt Business after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm here with Colton Griffin and Pam Foe with Flourish Software here on Blunt Business. Now, Colton, uh, upon implementation of this program, you explain, quote, our organization has a personal stake in social equity through Pam and her connection to nonviolent cannabis-related offenses. She helped build the concept of this program, and it's important to share her story. This program is going to allow us to provide our software to operators at a discounted rate to help them grow revenues and maintain compliance. We are dedicated to making sure that everyone has a seat at the table. That's what I say. If we don't take action, and I'm going to add on top of it, if we don't follow up and stay on top of this action, we risk leaving those most affected by the war on drugs behind. So, Colton, I want you to go ahead and expand on this case. And um, what I'd like to go is know is what had the connection where with you and Pam collaborating on this effort. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, it takes intention uh, and action, uh, not just talk. And, you know, everything that's been going on in the world in this country for the last year, I mean, I think has elevated the national conversation around what equity is and what, you know, and, and, and all, the, all the social issues that are happening. You know, and we, you know, as a company, you know, want to make sure that we're being you know, a positive force in the world, uh, right? I mean, we have a, a really strong, I think, culture and background rooted and, you know, um, uh, in trying to, to positively influence the direction of this industry that's being created right in front of us. And this is our chance. Uh, this is our chance to get it right and to direct it. And, you know, I'm gonna let Pam elaborate on her on her story, uh, which well, I think I, is important. Let me go and do this. I wanna go and just preface Pam before you start and talk about what you've also said uh, recently. Quote, at Flourish, we believe no one should be incarcerated for plant medicine. We believe that the pioneers of this industry deserve more from social equity. We believe that the BIPOC, or Black, Indigenous, and People of Color community are and historically have been targeted by police and lawmakers unfairly, and that racial and social equity could be, should be the chief concern of lawmakers be it state or federal, when it comes to bringing cannabis online, end quote. So, Pam, as Colton was mentioning, talk to me about this personal connection that you have. What inspired you to take this idea to the next level? 
Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of scary uh, being pretty new at the company. I've been with Flourish six months and then asking them to basically uh, give away the software. But as I've seen in other industries, it's very important for every voice to be heard or you run the risk of missing important things because you're not hearing from every community. Um, when I was younger, I was two the first time my father went to jail for selling cannabis. Um, he got out of jail when I was 12 and it was impossible for him to, to find a job as um, a criminal. He lived in a very um, small town in uh, Virginia on the border of Tennessee and everyone knows everyone. So who wants to hire the neighborhood drug dealer? Not too many people. So how did he make money? He went back to selling cannabis and he went back to jail again from the time I was 12 until uh, 11 years ago. Um, he was out for a short time, was married, had found a job at a sawmill, was doing very well, um, had my baby sister. And unfortunately he began selling cannabis again to make more money for supporting a baby and, and a new family. And um, he went back to jail a third time as a three strikes criminal, um, which made him a felon. And with good behavior, he has been out of jail since December, 2020. Um, I am 41 this year, January of 2021, and I maybe have met that side of my family two times in uh, my entire life until very recently when I go see them a lot. So I want to go back to the Aurora, Center, Aurora Sentinel article that I had prefaced at the start of the program. And I opened with this. I said, quote, uh, in Nevada, about 30% of the state are Latino, 10% are black. Just to give us an example, the state's first demographic survey of the cannabis industry released early in 2021 showed only about 2% of board members identified as black and just over 7% Latino. States are making progress towards a more diverse marijuana industry, but so far, the push for social equity has been plagued with a lot of delays in litigation. This is from Director of State Policies of the Marijuana Policy Project, Karen O'Keefe, saying that. In some cases, aspiring social equity licensees have been locked up again, this time in predatory contracts with profits and control largely in the hands of investors. In others, they've been overmatched in a cutthroat market dominated by international companies valued at millions and sometimes billions of dollars. And sometimes states themselves have been slow to establish and grow programs. So I want to get into a conversation from the federal level. What, uh, what should happen? from a state or federal level and when they're looking at a legalization effort now in Capitol Hill in Washington and what is it that it, it can be what could really save face for this legalization effort because I don't hear a whole lot about the criminalization being added into the legalization efforts on Capitol Hill so far it's still more of a business effort but the decriminalization has not been it's it's some it's going to be considered, but it's not been incorporated into the bill or in some of the bills that have been put to propose so far. So, I mean, think about you know historically and today, you know, majority black and brown, you know, communities being systematically harassed and oppressed by police on this war on drugs urban centers and and semi-urban centers around the around the country and then you know farming communities growing uh being aerated and 
uh, you know, harassed by the DEA, you know, and, and very similar level of terrorism, uh, which is a strong word to use, but, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 it's pretty crazy to think uh, what this country's done to people that are simply trying to, to grow cannabis and distribute it, you know, sell it across the country for a plant that, you know, I think universally at this point, people agree should be completely legal and available to uh, adults um, with little restriction. I'm, I'm a huge fan of allowing the market to just work uh, in, one, in, in general, which means uh, allowing people that want to set up business to set up business, not these you know, expensive, drawn out, limited license you know, models where the government or the local governments put a lot of hoops and attorneys and paperwork in front of folks that just want to set up, you know, a local retail store or to a small grow or their own, you know, small manufacturing site. Um, so I'd hope at a federal level, you know, we take a, a bigger picture view and allow the markets to work and allow people to just set up shop. Uh, and then, you know, granting people access to the market is step one. And then if we think equity, we need to support people in that journey to get to the market. And that's where providing funding resources, training resources, and we do this already for dozens, dozens of industries across the country. I mean, we, the USDA has ag extension offices in any county in America that has any type of farming to support farmers with education and resources I mean, we spend billions of dollars, you know, subsidizing agriculture across the country in every industry. Uh, the SBA has has loan programs, you know, often already designated for these types of communities and tax credits for empowerment zones and, and job tax credits to hire people in these areas. So, you know, with federal change, uh, making, making cannabis legal, you know, these programs are already in place can actually be, you know, accessible to folks in this industry. So let's not create a federal program where, you know, people need to bid on competitive licenses and whoever's politician's cousin, you know,'s lawyer ponied up a million dollars in legal fees to write the perfect application to create the perfect retail experience, you know, uh, or whatever type of business we're doing. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> let's like allow people to stand up business. Sure, we can have oversight. You know, oversight prim primarily is. So the government can get their tax money, uh, and which is fine because the tax money can go to reinvesting in education and job creation and, and making this industry successful. Um, but and, I'm still you know, concerned that it will. It's all well and good intended, but it's, is it going to is where I'm coming from. I got to take us for another commercial break, but I want to go ahead and come back with a couple other points to talk with both of you about. I'm going to hear with Flourish Software CEO Colton Griffin and Director of Marketing Pam Foe here on Blum Business back with final questions after this rolling into some sponsors but we'll be right back with more blunt business hey take a look at this they're selling smart pots <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart where is it not that kind of pot smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants check this out 
This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm here with Colton Griffin and Pam Foe at Flourish Software. And the website, by the way, is FlourishSoftware.com, F-L-O-U-R-I-S-H, software.com. Now, before I go ahead and continue the conversation here with Colton and Pam, you know, we don't talk a whole lot about social equity here on the program. We have. When the guests have come along and we've had the opportunity to talk about it, we're not trying to go and reach out and make the point. I'm not trying to make the reach out in a particular sense. It's whoever comes to the program that has a compelling story. That is why exactly why Colton and Pam were brought on the program. But for me, I don't want to make the, I want everything to be organic. And when the conversation is is worthy and necessary, then we have it, whatever that conversation might be. And what I feel like, this is my opinion alone, is I feel like this conversation only happens once there's another news news cycle that comes into play of another victim to, let's say, if it's police brutality, or if there's some uh, some comments that are made that are racially insensitive, things like that. So it's it's clickbait, it's rage bait. That's what causes the conversation sometimes to start burgeoning up again. But it's not consistent. And that's what I have the biggest problem with, is that does it have to be the next thing that a that a Black Lives Matter talks about? Or do we have to wait? Why do people wait for something to be, to, for, for companies that have to be pressured into doing something? Why isn't there a consistent approach, which is what I don't see happens? I think what happens a lot is there is no consistency. It's just that, okay, somebody needs to go ahead and do something from a social equity standpoint to save face, whether it's a corporate organization or whether it's a person that needs to apologize or do something to help contribute to social equity and, and to offer something positive. So Colton and Pam, I want to leave that point to you. The idea that people only care about social equity when there's something that, that, that makes people have to care again. It's, it's as if news and media and things like that have to go ahead and push the narrative across, but the narrative is never consistent. Until forgetting about federal legalization, sure, I would love to see uh, my dad not be a felon. I would love to see him getting help in Virginia in 2024 when we are allowed to have uh, dispensaries of setting one up. Um, and until the industry itself comes together and, and does it themselves, it's, it's not going to happen. Uh, there are wonderful programs, the Hood Incubator in Oakland, uh, for one, and Success Centers in San Francisco, California. They are consistently doing work to help people. But until all of us are 
using our special talents that we bring to cannabis to help those who brought their special talents before, then, then it's not going to be a consistent conversation because we're all kind of just out here swimming and doing our own thing when we could be coming together to, to share a voice and demand federal um, social equity and racial equity. But if we can't demand that and we can't get it from the government, then we need to create it ourselves. And we need to be mindful every time we sit in any situation, how does this help the diverse vo uh, voices um, from a marginalized community? I want to ask this, and this might be a bit of a devil's advocate, but I believe there are some people of color and some communities that don't feel like they need to go ahead and give, be, be given the opportunity that they, they want to go ahead and earn it, and they want to earn that American dream the way they see fit, that they don't need to go ahead and cut any corners. They, they, they don't feel like they're disenfranchised. They don't feel like they're oppressed. I can say where, you know, Colton, you had mentioned black and brown people. But then there's also Asians, Asian Americans, Native Americans, and the reservations they live on and the opportunities they could have to be able to grow hemp and cannabis on their reservations. And you could say same things for the Muslim community. Different areas that maybe they don't feel, well, they're just different industries, that they're in, different industries they would prefer to flourish in, if you will. My question to both of you is, uh, what would you say about that because of the fact that there might be some people that don't subscribe to a need for social equity. They just want to have an, oh, an even playing field. That, that's super awesome. Um, my, my husband is Cantonese and my father is Mexican and neither one of them feel very oppressed uh, because of um, that. But I would hope that both of them, if they went in business for themselves and they did the, the long way and the hard way because they don't feel oppressed, that they would want to give back to the communities that do. And if they didn't feel that way, I have someone like me would come along hopefully and have a very long talk with them about that and why they feel the need not to give back. Colton, go ahead. And, and, and agreed. And we, you know, when we decided to launch a social equity program to give back to the community, we didn't tie it to a specific, you know, racial element, right? Uh, and I think the other half of my, my point there was that, you know, both urban and rural communities are affected you know, in different ways and sometimes similar ways by the war on drugs. Uh, and, you know, um, it spans generations and, you know, it manifests itself differently depending on where you are in the supply chain from growing to moving around to making new products to selling it. And, you know, um, the only real uh, parameters we put around our program were, you know, that we wanted to target customer, you know, uh, new businesses uh and businesses that weren't 50 million dollar businesses <laughs> so to give folks a leg up uh to give them access maybe a little earlier than they'd be able to get it uh on their own uh and if they want it uh and you know i think um uh sometimes it takes being a little bit more intentional and you know helping somebody you know just holding your hand out and you know they can take it if they want so um right. Uh, you know, equity and social equity, you know, manifest, it's going to manifest itself in different ways. It's not a, a blanket statement and it's not just about race. Uh, it's, there's a lot of economic, um, economic disenfranchisement across the country as well. You know, and folks, you know, do need sometimes a little bit of a, a, a leg up to, to get at the table so they can be at the table with everybody else. So, 
And the thing is, is about, and I always believe that the 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 need for social equity is more of a status issue, an income issue, than it would be. In my personally, then I feel like it has to be. It has to be created as a racial. Now, there's obviously racial undertones, but I can tell you this: as researching for this this program, when I do just a search for social equity as a news subject on Google. All the articles that come up are from June 2020. This is after George Floyd's death. Why? Right? The conversation does not continue. If you're going to, if people are going to go out, like, again, you're, you're proving the point. This program was launched just recently. This is not something that you did as an after effect of some story in the news that says, well, we need to get on, jump on the bandwagon. No, there's no bandwagon. There's a consistent movement you don't jump on and jump off you stay on this you fight and the way you said it colton as well it's like it's for those who want it because we want everyone to have that equal opportunity that's the whole point and that's why i think we need to go ahead and make that point across but it's so easy for people to go and say you know what it's time to go and talk about social equity again no no it's not when it's convenient this is not convenient at all we're trying to help people here. I mean, I'm offering the, the, the voice here to offer for, for those. We want voice for the voiceless. But not when it's convenient for companies to go and have that. I want it to be for everybody at all times. So this is where I'm talking about the industry. If you want this, then you need to stay consistent on the message. And the message needs to be hit hard all the time. Not just when it's convenient, not just when you decide to go and jump on because the, the news, oh, we have a chance to go ahead and get some uh, clickbait-worthy content out there and get some more you know, leads to our company. No, 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 no. I understand the business practice. I appreciate that. But if you're going to go ahead and spread the message of social equity, live it, be a part of it, and always thump the message out there. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel about Colton. I love to go and leave you and Pam Anything you want to go ahead and re rebut about that or any comments you want to make? I want to open the floor to that. Totally. Uh, no, it's, you, you can take action on a daily basis. And, you know, I would encourage us as, you know, if you're a larger industry player uh, to be thinking about, you know, diversity in your supplier base. Uh, and, you know, from a corporate perspective, traditionally, you know, it's a great way to, to help, you know, put action to words is, you know, spending your money, uh, intentionally uh, in a way that, you know, helps lift, you know, disenfranchised communities up. And, you know, economic justice is, is you know, is core to, to actually, you know, having justice and uh, inequity. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're happy to, to be able to do, you know, uh, what we can to, um, to give back to the community. And, you know, we'll continue to uh, um, try to find innovative ways to, to do that. And, you know, it's uh, I just challenge people to live that in their daily life. Uh, and it's, it, it's not it's not as hard as it should be to do. So it's always important to give back yeah. and, and, and also important about who you want to give back to, who really needs the help or not even so much help, but also just give a helping hand. You know, it's helping those that want to help themselves. That's what it comes down to. Uh, Colton and Pam, go and wrap these up. I want to go ahead and again mention the website, flourishsoftware.com, and take a moment, both of you, to go ahead and just talk about what, how they can go and get their hands on the software. Again, qualifying to go and be able to get the software at a discounted rate and what they'll be getting. 
Yeah, if you go to uh, flourishsoftware.com, you'll see the social equity um, banner at the top. If you click on that, there's a form to fill out. But my my personal contact information from the company is also there. So if you want to reach out or if you see ways that that um, we as a company can improve on our offering and or, or ways we can help, I would love to be part of a, a dual mentorship uh, program teaching uh, business tactics and learning more cannabis stuff. Um, I'm down to be contacted about whatever. We also have our referral program there. So if you refer business to Flourish, then um, customer signs up, starts using the software. That's a $1,000 check back in your pocket just for referring. Wow. Wonderful. I appreciate you both taking time to go and take on the program. Again, not a subject I have to talk a lot about much, but again, I, I appreciate the opportunity to go ahead and offer this content out to listeners and to let them know, it just setting the example, you know, playing a role in what's happening here. And not just because it's, oh, it was a good time for it. You know, I don't, I want people to be consistent. I mean, it just, it can't be that hard. I don't know. It just, there's a whole lot more to be said about that, but we're out of time. I, I wish we had more time, but we'll go ahead and leave it there. But this conversation will continue and I'll keep talking about it as we, we get the opportunities to do so. But that's Thank it. Thank you so much. Hey, Colton, Pam, thanks for being here with us again. Colton Griffin, CEO of Flourish Software, Pam Foe, Director of Marketing at Flourish Software. Thank you for being on Blunt Business today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, folks, for listening in. If you want to contribute to the conversation, you have anything you want to go and say about this, please email me, brasco, B-R-A-S-C-O, at CannabisRadio.com. And we'd love to hear, if you want to hear more stories like this and more information like this, let us know. And we'll do so. And thank you for listening. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.